Kids, y'all can go to your class now, so you don't have to listen to this old guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, it's harsh. It's harsh. Man, those gardener kids, man. I'm going to uh, do a new sermon series. Uh, it's going to be a short one, uh, just to get us through this uh, Christmas season. Uh, but I want to talk about angel encounters. Uh, I think it's uh, pretty neat uh, how the angels uh, played such an important role in the arrival of the birth of Jesus. And so I, I just want to take a look at a few of those and, and talk through you know, how that can apply to our own lives. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this, uh, this morning, and uh, we're going to read the story of the angel encountering uh, Zechariah, uh, the father of John the Baptist. So let's read this story, and, and we'll just kind of talk through it, okay? In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah who, was, who belonged to the priestly divisions of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also descendant of Aaron, and both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. But they didn't have any children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in their years. Now once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, and he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time of burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You're going to give him the name John, and he will be the joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He was never to take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're told, even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will will he bring back to the Lord their God. He'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife, she's, she's well along in years. And the angel of the Lord answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I tell you, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And so now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day it happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. And meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he was staying so long at the temple. And so when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but unable to speak. When this time of service was complete, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant 
and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days he has shown his favor, taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I'm just uh, really grateful for children who can sing your praise, for people who can gather together to worship your name. I'm grateful that you sent your only son into this world and grateful for a time that we can study. And, and I just pray that you'll just guide and lead this time through the power of your spirit, uh, that your truth will be made known to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, life can get pretty monotonous at times. I have the same routine every day, every week. Wake up, wake up the kids, feed the dogs, let them out, shower, yell at the kids to hurry up, take them to school, pick up the kids, eat dinner, after school activities, go to bed. Same kind of things happen every day. But every once in a while, there's something different. Mostly monotonous, but every once in a while, something different. And it's within this monotonous context that we meet Zechariah. Israel has now gone 400 years without God's exciting activity through his prophets and through his Holy Spirit. In fact... Extra-biblical texts have suggested, books like the, the book of Maccabees, have suggested that Israel was looking forward to the Messianic age because that's when God would call this great prophet and his spirit would return. They were looking forward to spiritual renewal, to miraculous powers of God. But after 400 years, it gets kind of monotonous. And Zechariah was one of 18,000 priests. Zechariah was one of 18,000 priests who served at the temple. He would serve twice a year, a week at a time, and then during the major festivals. And when we open the story, we see that Zechariah was doing one of his monotonous weeks. But then something exciting happened. He got to clean and light the incense. I know y'all are excited, right? <laughs> but keep in mind, there are 18,000 priests. And so some priests may never, ever get a chance to do this sacred and he was chosen by Lot, which tells us something, right? That God was foreshadowing something amazing is going to happen here. Everything so far is by custom and rules. Everything may be still a little monotonous. But Zechariah is getting to take his turn. The angel encounter is not boring at all. It's miraculous. It's power. You know, angels don't always name themselves in the Bible, right? The scene was so great that Zechariah was startled. He was gripped with fear. I mean, he was supposed to be the only one in the room, right? 
<clears throat> and the angel knew his private prayer, his prayer that God would give him a child. Now, Zechariah is an old man, and I wonder if he had stopped praying for this years ago. But this strange figure knew such intimate details. And the promise of God in this situation was grand. His child, miraculously born, would be set apart to bring people back to God. He would be a prophet that the people of God haven't seen in over 400 years. The whole scene is amazing. And I think, <coughs> as Zechariah has taught something valuable here, we also can be taught along with him. And so follow along in your notes <coughs> as I share some teachings that we can learn from Zechariah's experience. The first uh, teaching I want to share with you is I think that Zechariah teaches us, this, this experience teaches us that God is not slow in keeping his promises. God is not slow in keeping his promises. Zechariah's experience took 400 years to come to completion. The Messiah would be born. And you and I, we've been waiting a little bit longer, haven't we? We've been waiting over 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. But Peter reminds us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that, thank you, Mike. Oh, and I get a cough drop. Oh, thanks, Jessica. Three weeks. Three weeks of bronchitis. It will not go away. All right, here we go. Peter tells us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's a matter of perspective. And so we must continue to eagerly await his promises to return. Zechariah and, and uh, Elizabeth represent a remnant of people who were faithful. It gives us a, a snapshot into the faithful piety through prayer, work, and service. Jesus shares a helpful parable to remind us to be just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Once there were 10 young women who took the oil lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Of those 10, five were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any extra oil with them while the wise ones took containers full of oil for their lamps. And the bridegroom was late in returning. So they began to nod off and fall asleep. And it was midnight when the cry rang out, the bridegroom is coming. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, we're all out of oil. Can we borrow some of yours? And they said, no. You're going to have to go to the store and buy some for yourselves. And so the foolish ones went off to buy some oil. And while they were gone, the bridegroom arrived. And the five who were ready went with him into the feast. And the doors were closed. 
And Jesus concludes, watch out, because you do not know the day or the hour. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He promises us that he will return just as he came as a baby, but this time as our king. The second uh, teaching I want to share with you is the Holy Spirit plays a very vital role here. This is one of the major themes found in Luke's gospel, uh, specifically in the first couple chapters, is the work of the Spirit. Listen, Zechariah is told his child would be filled with the Spirit. Mary was told you will be pre become pregnant by the power of the Spirit. When Mary visits Elizabeth, we're told that the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped with joy, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And then throughout the book of Luke, throughout it, miracles show how the disciples chose to live by the Spirit. And then, of course, Acts, which is also written by Luke, tells us the work of the Holy Spirit, which was promised by his child, this, the child of Zechariah, in the third chapter of Luke. The Holy Spirit is still working, and it's active today, and it plays a vital role in our lives. I walked to school uh, before I could drive, from elementary school all the way to high school. Now, our neighborhood was right next to a beautiful park, which I had to uh, walk through, and then I'd walk through another neighborhood and get to my middle school. And the last time I was in Fort Wayne where I grew up, I, I drove uh, my walking route. I drove it just to see how far it was to school. Uh, I thought it was two miles. It was .7. So, I, you know, I was like, man, I used to walk two miles to school. No, no, I didn't. More like a half a mile. But anyways, I, I remember one walk. Uh, coming home from school, and it began to storm. And I mean, it was a miserable, cold storm, and it was windy. And I got that umbrella out, because I always carried my umbrella in case it rained. And that wind was so strong, it popped that umbrella inside out. And I just remember I was, I was miserable. I was 12 years old, praying for God to save me. And next thing I knew, my father drove up in his work van, and I was saved. He was looking for me on my walk to save me. But here's the lesson for us. I believe that God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us in times of need. When you need strength to get through tough time, the Holy Spirit is there. When you need the willpower to power through and say no to sin, the Holy Spirit is there. When you need the words to comfort a friend or share the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there. And we're reminded in the eighth chapter of Romans, Paul said these words, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And if spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, that he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit 
was incredibly active. And it's a main theme right here in the first chapter of Luke to let us know that the God who loves us, the God who's not slow in keeping his promises, brought forth a time through the birth of his son Jesus Christ so that we can have new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, here's the, the final teaching I want to share with you. Our sin does not stop the work of God. You know, Zechariah doubted the power of God that Gabriel told him about. And I often wondered what it would look like if Gabriel had said, well, you failed that test. <laughs> I'll find someone else. What if he'd said, I guess we're going to have to wait another 400 years. But the grace of God is amazing. Now, God disciplined Zechariah's uh, through, through him losing his speech, but it also gave him an opportunity to share about this miracle in a different way. The work of God continued even in the middle of Zechariah's sin. There was a young man who was arrested and brought before the judge for taking a, band of, a bag of candy off of a shelf. The owner of the store, he wanted to press charges because he wanted to you know, teach this little boy a, a lesson. After a lecture from the judge, the judge asked the young boy if he had anything to say before he passed the sentence. And the boy sat very quietly with his head hung low, and he slowly raised his head, focused his eyes on the judge, and he said, Judge, have you ever stolen anything? And the room was quiet until the judge said, case dismissed, you're set free. It's a good lesson for us. A reminder that God wants us to be ready, wants us to remember that God is not slow in keeping us Holy Spirit, uh, keep uh, returning again, a reminder that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, given the power of the Holy Spirit for everyday life. But he also realizes, God realizes, that we're his children, that we make mistakes, we're humans, and he gives us the grace to get through it. And Paul said it so well. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance for all of us. Christ Jesus came into this world to save the sinners, which I'm the worst. But for this very reason, I was shown mercy. So that inside of me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe and eternal life. Wow. An example. That's what Zechariah ended up being. They all knew he couldn't talk. They all knew that something magical happened, something powerful happened. They all saw it on his face. They all saw it through his motions. And because of the grace of God, God, 
John the Baptist came and prepared the way for the birth of Jesus Christ. And now we celebrate. We gather around the table to celebrate the truth of forgiveness and grace. While we sing our next song, I invite our praise team to come on up. And I'll be inviting each of you to go to one of these three communion stations. We've got three set up here. On the bottom cup, you'll find bread, and on the top cup, you'll find juice. And, and I want you to hold that, those cups together and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus as we sing. Then Austin will come up and share with us a few thoughts, and we'll take those emblems together, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I just uh, can't say thank you enough. You've made everything so, so perfect. You've made everything so perfect. By bringing your son, Jesus Christ, into the world, you've given us new life through your spirit. And through his death and resurrection, you've brought us the power of new life. And as, Lord, we uh, go about this week, we pray for your guidance and your wisdom to live out how you've called us to live. And help us in this time as we take communion to celebrate, to worship you as we are reminded, Lord, of your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.